It's a real privilege to be with you again this evening. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be with you. What a great church. What a blessing to be here and to meet so many of you in a friendly place. And I can't think of a better pastor or pastor's wife. What a blessing it's been to spend some time with them last night and today. And your pastor's wife is multi-talented. And cook unbelievably well, had a wonderful dinner today, and uh, such hospitality and kindness, and your pastor has a real burden for this area, and that's a great blessing, isn't it, to, to have a person who's not a hireling, that's a great blessing, and I'm very thankful for what God has done here, and oh, I'm rejoicing in all of it, I bring you greetings from Temple Baptist Church and Crown College, thankful for all God is doing there. And very grateful for the work that has been going on. You know, today is the 21st anniversary of the September 11th attacks. And I can remember very distinctly there at Crown College when we heard that news. And all the student body gathered in the church auditorium. And they put the screen down and watched live while all those things, horrible things happened. And the pastor there said, we need to... Uh, do something about this. So that very day we loaded up a semi-trailer full of bottled water and masks and gloves and shovels and everything else we could think of to help. And we drove it up there and arrived on September the 12th uh, at New York City and helped and dropped off all those things at the ground zero. And then we're able to have prayer meetings and go down to that area and witness to people, and a number of the students that went down there, uh, it was a great thing to see people being reached. They were open to the gospel at that time, and now many of those students that went are church planters in Ghana, West Africa, and Nepal, around different parts of the United States, and just how God takes people to that place and then sends them out around the world to do a great work. I hope you'll pray for the work of Crown College, and Pastor Sexton founded that back in 1991, and today there are over 5,000 graduates all over the world preaching the gospel and telling others of Christ, and it's a great work, and I hope you'll pray on a regular basis for the work of Crown College. We've done something uh, that is not being done anywhere else in the country, at least as far as we can find out. Pastor Sexton had a burden to train people in trades, and so we've started a trade school, and that's a wonderful opportunity for people to come and get a skilled trade and go out with the gospel. If you know much about the trades, there need to be people who know the Lord Jesus and are outspoken gospel witnesses in welding and building construction and HVAC and cosmetology and auto diesel. So we're doing that. There's so many things that are going on. We need your prayers. It's an exciting thing to see. And it was a great blessing to have some of the folks who are here tonight down with us just a few months back. And we're praying much for you. Great to see Brother John serving here as well. And so many things that God is doing. I'm grateful for it. I've never been treated any better than I've been treated by this pastor and his wife and by you all here at this church. And uh, thank you so much for your kindness and your hospitality. And I'm very blessed. If I lived in Pickerington, Ohio, I would attend this church. This is a great place. It's a growing place. This isn't something that's tired and sleepy and run down. This is a place where you can come and you can expect God to work because this is a place where faith is, is in action and working, trusting God. And What a blessing it is to see so many here on a Sunday night. That's a great blessing, and I'm encouraged by that. I'd like to invite you to take your Bible and turn to John chapter 11, if you would. A familiar passage, John chapter 11. And I'd like to just bring a few thoughts this evening 
from John chapter 11, if I could, and read the first 15 verses. If you have your Bible open there, I'd invite you to read along with me. I'll read out loud if you could read silently. John chapter 11, verse 1, we'll read to verse 15. The Word of God reads, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode there, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Notice verse 11, please. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless let us go unto him. I'd like you to notice our text, verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And also verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I'd like you, if you would mark things in your Bible, to circle a very small word with a very big meaning in verse 21. It is the word if. Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And again in verse 32, notice the same word we find. The Bible says here as Mary speaks to the Lord, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I'd like to speak for a few moments this evening on the ifs of life. The ifs of life. Do you have one of these ifs in your life? You know, it's a two-letter word that is perhaps one of the biggest words in the English language. It's a word that expresses doubt or contingency. If the reality were different, everything about life would be different. And there are people who, perhaps in this room tonight, have a big if in your background. I can think of ifs. If I would have left a minute earlier or a minute later, I wouldn't have been in the car accident I was in. Have you ever had a thought like that? If the doctor would have just taken a biopsy, I wouldn't be in the condition I'm at right now. I wouldn't be perhaps at a stage in a disease that, that I find myself if the doctor would have done what a doctor should have done. There are many ifs in life. If I only would have had uh, the idea I would have said no instead of saying yes. 
Perhaps someone looks back in their past and, and thinks, if I would have only married a different person than I married, or if I would have only made a different decision about life than I made. If, 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 and you know what believers can do? Believers can torture themselves with the ifs of life. They can look back in the rearview mirror of life and think, if only that had never happened, my life would be totally different. I would be so much better. And we never live in the now because we're always living in the ifs of the past. And I want you to know that Mary had an if, and Martha had an if, and you and I, if we're honest, I think all of us have things that we wish we could have done differently. I have heard a number of people who have been asked in their later years, do you have any regrets? And I heard one person say, I have no regrets at all. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I have regrets. There are things I didn't do my best at. There are things I wish I would have given myself to more closely than I did. And all of us, if I think we're honest, would say there are things back in our life, if we could push rewind and go back in time and change some things, we certainly would change some things. But we can't. And there are ifs in life that are very difficult to think about. And many times Christians come to a place where they get so frustrated, they come to a place of pain and even hatred, or even a place of self-blame or blaming others because of the ifs of life. Here, Lazarus is dead. Martha and Mary both come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the first thing they say to Him is, if you would have been here. This would have never happened. Have you ever felt like that in your life? God, if you would have answered my prayer, this would never have happened. And if came into my life just a few years ago, Pastor Sexton asked my wife and I to come uh, back to ten, uh, Temple for a furlough. We hadn't had a furlough. We've been in the UK for 11 years. And so he said, come back for a year. You can help me. And uh, so my wife and I, came back, here we were in the United States where we had grown up, we were used to things, and uh, someone uh, had recommended a special diet for our son who was just two years old, and so on that recommendation, he was given something, and, and we didn't know it, we had no idea, but it had E. coli food poisoning in it. Now maybe you've heard of that, I've heard of E. coli food poisoning. I thought, well, you got sick to your stomach, you were ill for a few days, and then you got over it. But I didn't know this, in about 10% of children who get E. coli, it turns into what could be a deadly illness called HUS. And it turns all of the red blood cells into little splinters. And this is what happened to our son, and we had no idea. He had a massive seizure. Uh, we took him to the hospital. Uh, he was perfectly fine, a two-year-old running and jumping and playing and everything you can think of as a two-year-old would do. And within just a few hours, now he's in a coma. The doctors came in and they said his kidneys have completely shut down. His lungs have shut down. They had to put a, they intubated him. He was on a mechanical breathing machine. And within just a few hours, we were told we don't know what will happen. To make a very long story short, uh, a week passed, several other children were in the same ICU along with him who had E. coli as well, but he had the worst of it. The doctors met with us. It was a Saturday night, I remember it very well, and the doctor said, we don't know if your son's going to make it through the night. His kidneys aren't working, his intestinal tract isn't working, we can't feed him. 
and he is swelling up from all of the things. His kidneys won't, won't work at all, and we don't know what to do, but I know you're Christian people. You can pray. And so we prayed that night, and we thought, you know what I thought? If this would have never happened, if I would have only known, if this would have only been, if we were only back in England, if only I had decided not to come back, all those ifs, all that blame, all that guilt, all that shame, and it's too hard to carry. You can't carry that. I, I couldn't carry that around. I was so discouraged. I was so downcast. I thought, if I would have been a better dad, if, if all these things would have been, if I'd have made better decisions, have you ever had an if in your life? And you thought, what if I would have done differently? None of these things would have happened. Well, here we come to this passage, and Lazarus is a friend of Christ. He is a person, the, the Bible goes in specific detail to tell us Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But I want you to know, just because God loves us doesn't mean we'll face no difficulty in life. Everybody is going to have some difficulty in life. And if you have your uh, place there in John chapter 11, would you for a moment turn to Romans chapter 8? Uh, this is a, a passage of Scripture many people turn to in a time of difficulty. But let me tell you something that's wonderfully encouraging about Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The first part of the verse begins this way, And we know, I can remember being at Crown College, and an old Bible teacher in his 90s named Frank Sells would come and teach the Bible. And he said, What does Romans chapter 8, verse 28 say? And he asked one of the young men, and the young man got up and he said, All things work together in the man. And Mr. Sells said, No, stop. He said, That's not right. That's not what the Bible says. Try it again. The young man said, All things work together for good. Dr. Sells said, Nope, stop. That's not what it says. He said, go get a Bible, look it up, and read it to me from the Bible. And the young man knew his mistake. What was his mistake? He forgot the first part, and we know. And Dr. Sells said, it must be more than just book knowledge. It must become experiential knowledge. It must be something that you come to know because you face difficulties, and through life you've come to know. Not that we guess or we hope. Or we think, but we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And we could say at those difficult times, yes, I know Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible, but why am I going through this difficulty? If only, like Mary, and if only, like Martha would have said, I draw your attention to verse 32, here's why. Here's why Romans 8.28 is still true, even in the ifs of life. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God gave us his very best in his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he would not withhold Christ from us, God will not withhold anything that's good for us or best for us. And so we can trust God even in the ifs of life. If you have one of those ifs in life, the first thing I want you to notice as we come back to John chapter 11, is something very important. Notice with me, if you would, the if of when. Verse 21 in chapter 11. The Bible tells us this. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Notice in this if of when, so often that's an if that we have. That God's timing was not right. 
that if God would have answered our prayer when we wanted our prayers answered, everything would have turned out better. Have you ever maybe secretly thought that? That God was late? You prayed and asked and hoped and sought and had faith, but the prayer you prayed didn't get answered on time? Well, Martha thought all these things about the timing of Christ. Notice just a few moments uh, back in chapter 11, verse 1 through verse 3. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And the Bible says in verse 3, Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Mary and Martha came to get this message to the Lord Jesus. You know that timing is everything. He's sick, sick nigh unto death. If you came now, he could be healed. And Jesus, the Bible tells us, deliberately, deliberately delayed. Notice verse 6. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And in verse 17, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. And Martha said, if you would have been here on time, none of this would have happened. The timing of Jesus Christ wasn't the timing of Martha. And notice in verse 21, the tragedy of death. He, she says, if the timing would have been right, all would have been well, but you weren't here, and now my brother is dead. If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And this great tragedy could have been avoided. And notice now the truth of the gospel, verse 22. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Notice this. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, which should come into the world. I know here this is the same Martha that was much cumbered about with serving. You remember that. She was not interested perhaps in sitting at the feet of Christ like Mary was and learning from Christ. She was a busy lady and she was bothered by others who sat to listen to the Lord Jesus. And here, Jesus Christ confronts her with her own belief. And isn't it an interesting thing? This is the first time we find recorded in Scripture Martha publicly declaring her belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now stop for a minute just to think about this. Could it be, could it be that the Lord Jesus Christ didn't answer the request of Martha because he had something far greater for Martha than just the healing of her brother. That he would use the death of her brother to bring her to make the profession that she believed on Christ for herself. There are things that happen in our lives that are unpleasant things, sometimes very painful things, that God uses to draw us to himself. There are people who are saved today, not just because someone knocked on their door and gave them the gospel, but perhaps they went through a, a great trial of difficulty. And in that difficulty, they came to know their need of Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you today that in the ifs of life, we can't see eternity. We can't see all that is ahead. But many times God uses those things that are vastly painful for us to bring us to a place where we never really truly were with the Lord Jesus Christ before that.
And I believe Jesus Christ loved the eternal soul of Martha enough to allow her the pain of seeing her brother pass so she would come to say herself, I believe that thou art the Christ. And that salvation, what a wonderful thing. But the truth of the gospel is this. Many of us have gone through difficulties. If we live any period of time in this this thing called life, we're going to face pain. And when we think God is late, we're just early. Because God is working. We can't see all the details, but God is working. He is at work behind the scenes. And the if of when, God says, your timing, Martha, wasn't my timing. Why? Because Jesus Christ has something better in mind than Martha ever did have. Isn't that how God works? God has something better in mind than you and I could ever have imagined. And He's able, even the great God that He is, to take those ifs, all of those bad things, and turn them to our good. And turn them, as we just saw a moment ago, for the sake of the gospel in people's lives. Notice not only the if of when, but the if of where. Notice what Mary says in verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Notice that word toward the end of verse 32. If thou hadst been here. Here. Mary said, Lord Jesus, you had been away. You were far away. You were days away in travel. But if you had been here at this place, like we'd ask you to be here at this place, my brother would never have died. And have you ever gone through pain or difficulty or a great trial of life? And in that trial of life, you think, if Jesus would have been here to help me, like he was here to help other people, I wouldn't be going through this right now. Could I just tell you something I haven't told other people? I can remember standing in the intensive care unit at the children's hospital after one by one by one, the other children who had E. coli food poisoning were released. They walked out of the place. There are little children who are about the same age as, as our son. Uh, they were smiling and happy and had balloons. On the very same day, the doctor came to me again and he said, your son can't have dialysis, but without dialysis, he's going to die. We don't know what to do because when we try to give him dialysis, his blood pressure just dives and, and we can't take the risk of giving that to him. And we don't, his body's filling with poison. We don't know what to do and we can't give you any hope. And I can remember thinking, if God could heal these people... Some of these people are, are, are not even people we would call perhaps Christians and, and they're walking out of here. And what about my son? My wife and I have been missionaries and what about all that? And I was feeling tremendously hopeless. And I remember walking out of the university or the, the children's hospital there, walking down the, the street to the University of Tennessee. Just I had to get out of there just to take a walk. And I, I must have looked very horrible. I must have looked very hopeless because a homeless man on the street said, Hey, man, are you okay? And he dug in his pocket and he got out a $5 bill and handed it to me. <laughs> a homeless man is giving me money. And I thought, man, I must be on rock bottom. I must be right there. I felt hopeless. And I thought, God, I know you can heal people and I know you can help people. Then you've helped these other children. Could you just help my child? But yet that didn't seem what was going to happen that night. Again, the doctor said, we don't know if he's going to make it through the night. 
And he, a, a lady came in Sunday morning. It was Sunday. And we were there with him. We didn't know if he was going to make it. And a lady came in. She had given him dialysis of, of the previous week. And she said, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask everyone to leave the room. And so we left. The doctor came and got me. And, and he said, this lady wants to speak to you. And so I went in the room. And here's this lady. She, she's a, a third-party uh, nephrology uh, expert, she comes and gives dialysis to people, and she said, shut the door, I have to tell you something. My son was unresponsive. She was about to give him dialysis. She said, this is our last chance to give him dialysis. If it doesn't work, there's nothing more we can do. But she said, I've come to tell you something. She said, in this room, room number nine, room number nine, 20 years ago, I was in this room with my daughter and I was told my daughter would never live. And do you know the nurse that helped you this morning? She said, that was my daughter. And I'm not supposed to tell you this, she said. I could get fired if they find out where I work. But I'm a Christian and I prayed. I prayed through the night that God would allow me to give your boy dialysis. And in room number nine, God saved my daughter's life. I believe he's going to save your son's life. And at that moment, I knew God had heard. Other children had been released and my son was near death. But God just sent me a message to say, I've heard you. And my answer for you is not the same as my answer for others. But I haven't forgotten. And I know what I'm doing. And you know what happened that day? He got his dialysis. And everything began to start to go forward. And what a blessing that was to see that my timing is not God's timing. But God's doing something I don't know all about. But He's able to strengthen our faith. What a great God we have. The if of when, the if of where. God, if you would have been here, Mary is weeping. Notice verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Notice verse 35, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because he's a compassionate Savior. He is omniscient. He knew that he would raise Lazarus in just mere moments. But he still wept with those who wept. Why? We have a sympathizing Savior. He's gone through the things that we've gone through. He knows what it means to suffer loss and suffer pain. Aren't you grateful we don't have some disconnected God somewhere? We have a God who cares about us and who even weeps with those that weep. What a wonderful Savior we have. He is a great God. I can remember all of the things that have happened. And we come to chapter 11. And we, we still have that question. What if? What if? Mary... Do you have a question for Christ? Yes, if you would have been here. Martha, do you have a question for Christ? Yes, if you would have been here when I asked you to come. What does Jesus do in giving them an answer? I wanted to know about that. I studied this text and I hope what I found will be a blessing to you. Notice the if of when. When will all this be fixed? The if of where... What is going to happen now? And Jesus answers with this response. Notice what Jesus said in verse 40. Jesus, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. 
How does Jesus answer their ifs with one of his own? Have you ever noticed when Jesus has asked questions in the New Testament, many times he doesn't directly answer that question. What does he do? He asks them a question. And here Mary comes and Martha comes with an if. And what does Jesus say to them? Here's what I want you to know, Mary and Martha. If, if, if what? If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. You know what God wants us to do in the middle of our ifs? He wants us to believe. We can't see what he's doing. We can't audibly hear what he's doing. We don't know off the top of our heads or even by all the things that we see, all that God is doing. But if we believe, here's the reason. Because God is at work doing things when we don't see what's happening. Verse 4 of chapter 11, Jesus said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Do you know what can happen when you are going through the deep valleys of life and you still believe on the Lord and you still have faith and trust, God gets glory from your trial. God gets glory from your life. I'm thankful that God can do that. He's great enough to do that. The, the next week following that difficulty with the dialysis, we were told again on a Saturday night, the doctor came in and he said, I'm going to stay here all night because... Your son's brain activity is so low, he's now developed pneumonia, and he's also developed a staph infection. He has so many things against him. I'm going to stay here through the night. I'm going to work a double shift. Just hopefully we can pull him through. And if you, need, if you have people that can pray, you need to ask them to pray because we don't know if he's going to make it through this night. That was the third time we were told we didn't know if he'd live. And I can remember very distinctly praying and asking the people at Temple Baptist Church to pray and God working. We were told a little bit later on as he was given a brain scan and he, we were told that he was just one, one level above the, the level of being a vegetable. And the infectious doctors, uh, disease doctor came to us and she said, I'm not a religious person, I know you're a religious person, but she said, if you'd like to pray about something, you, you would be mercifully praying if God would take your son. Because if he lives, he will probably be a vegetable. He will not know you. He will not be able to eat. He will not be able to talk or, or interact in any way. And he'll just have a life of pain. Well, that was a very hard prayer to pray. And I didn't pray that prayer. I prayed that God would heal him. And you know God is a merciful God. He knows us in our weaknesses. And He knows us at our lowest points. And my wife had, I'll tell you this, she had far more faith than I did. She said, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to work out. I didn't know about all that. But I just thought, God, if somehow you could be glorified in this. It's not going to be from, from my faith. My faith is weak and poor. And, but if you can be glorified somehow in this, that's all we want. Just a few days later, as he survived that night, he came home, he, he couldn't sit up, he couldn't swallow, he couldn't speak. Remember, just weeks ago, he was perfectly fine. And now we didn't know what would happen. And I can remember praying and saying, God, show me, is there something that's hopeful? Is there something that we can hope for? We had a rabbit don't ever buy a rabbit as a pet for your children if, if you need some tips. But we'd bought a rabbit, 
had uh, we put him in a little wagon, and we'd fixed up a wagon, and we we took him outside and walked around, and 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 uh, my oldest daughter thought maybe we should put the rabbit in his wagon, so we we put the rabbit in there, and he could couldn't respond, he just laid in the wagon, and I was pulling him around. He had an IV bag that fed him through through a cannula that went into his stomach, and I looked down, and the rabbit had eaten a hole in the line, and I went to the hardware store, tried to get everything I could to fix that line. It was Saturday. The, the hospital people couldn't fix it. And so he was without food. And we did everything we could to get it fixed, and it, it leaked, and it wouldn't work. And so my wife thought, maybe I'll just try to give him a little bit of pudding. And you know what happened? He swallowed it. Now, he's not supposed to swallow it. He's not supposed to be able to do anything. But he ate, and he wanted more. And he ate, and he started sitting up, and he started eventually talking and you know what I thought? God used the brain the size of an almond in that little rabbit's head to chew through a cannula tube with, with feeding agent in it to make him... He was, he was scheduled to have a port inserted into his stomach in just a few days. And if that rabbit hadn't eaten through that hole, he would have had that port inserted and maybe never learned how to eat again. You know, God's timing is always perfect. And what he says to us, when you don't understand what's happening, here's what I want you to do. Just believe me. Trust me. You may not all know all the details, but you can trust that I'm a good God and I'm going to do what is right. And I want you to act in a way that I can receive glory from your life and your trial. He's a great God. Just a few nights ago, um, he said to me, every night he prays. If you've ever seen uh, someone with cerebral palsy, he has very similar symptoms to that. His limbs are drawn up. He can't, he, we've been told he won't be able to walk. Uh, but he said to me, uh, just l the night before I came down here, he said, I asked my teacher at school if she believes in God. Will you pray for me? I want to talk to her more about that. And I thought, that's a great answer to prayer. I heard him in the kitchen the other night. He was counting, and I came around the corner, and I heard him. He was saying 139, 140, 141, 142. And I thought, well, maybe he's just counting. He's in first grade now. And uh, I, I looked out there, and here he was. He was taking little steps, little steps, very small steps, but little steps. And he was counting 141, 142, 143. 144. What God can do. What God can do. When we don't know what to do. When all the ifs of life have happened. And we don't have answers. Hold on. Believe God. Trust in Him. He's at work. He knows what He's doing. And He will do something great. And I don't know all the great things He's going to do. But someday in eternity, I'll be able to look back and, and say, Thank you, God. Didn't enjoy it at the time. Would never wish it on my worst enemy. But thank you, God, for taking horribly bad things and turning them to wonderfully good things. Changing a life, changing our family, helping us trust the Lord for more. You know, Jesus Christ helps us understand. Notice verse 41, they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. 
And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Then he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Notice verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, notice this, believed on him. That's what God is always doing. He's always working in a way so that lost people who have been separated from him by their sin will come to be reconciled to God. And isn't it an amazing thing that God can even use the difficulties that come into our lives as arrows to point lost people to a loving Savior? They're, they're watching how we live. They're watching how we handle our problems. They're seeing how we react when the ifs of life occur. And I want you to know, I don't have any answers Truth be told, you don't have the answers, but Jesus Christ does. And He just wants us to trust Him. Do you have some ifs? I'm going to pray in just a moment. There are some things that you wish you could go back and change. There are some things you think, if I only could have done something different, then all would be well. I want you to know this, God can take all those bad things and turn them to your good. He can do it for His glory and he can do all that for the advancement of the gospel. You may not know this, but in your trial, someone, maybe many people, are watching you. And they're wanting to know, is there such a thing as real grace? Is there such a thing as real faith? And all Jesus asks us to do in the ifs of life is to believe him. To trust him. To have faith in him. And he will bring us through. He'll help us. He'll enable us. And I want you to know, you can trade in your ifs tonight. You can bring your if of when or where or whatever it might be and bring it to Christ and He'll give you this great truth. If you'll just believe, you'll see. Could I read one last verse? Isaiah 61 verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? That He might be glorified. God is at work in the ifs of life. Perhaps tonight you'd like to come and just give those ifs to the Lord and say to Him, I still believe you. I still trust you, and I'm going to trust you to do great things through these difficulties. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, help us tonight to bring our ifs to Thee, to trust Thee in difficult times, to know that Thou art God, and to know that Thy glory and the gospel and all the things that can be done through our difficulties if we just believe on You and trust You and have faith in You. There are people here tonight who are perhaps... Uh, weakening in their faith. They're struggling with some issue. Perhaps a family member has, has gone in a way where they have no power to bring them back. We know that thou art able to do all things. And so in our moments of weakness, help us trust thee. In just a moment as the pastor comes to extend the invitation, I'd invite you to respond to the Lord in whatever way he asks you. Is there someone here tonight who would say, I need to be saved. I don't know Christ, but I need to know him. Would you raise your hand? I'd just like to know to be able to pray for you. 
There are many here tonight who perhaps have gone through the ifs of life. And may I just say, God will enable you to trust Him. 